Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and oh, crazy times, we've managed to read a few books and hope you have too. Yeah, school's back in, so it's slowed both of us down a little bit, I think. It has, that, and I've read a couple of very long books, but I've finished a couple of very long books, so I can claim that. Good for you. I ended up doing a lot of rereads over these two weeks. I say a lot. Half my books were rereads because the library holds didn't start coming in, but now they're starting to come in again. Like, you have to go get me another book tomorrow, don't you? <laughs> I wish you all could see the eye roll that he just did for that. Um, anyway, here's what I've read over the last two weeks. Um, Book Lovers by M- Emily Henry. I'm not going to go into detail on this one because on this podcast over the past 52 episodes, I have um, gone on at great length about Emily Henry and how much I love her books. This is maybe the third time this summer I've read Book Lovers. That's what I was thinking. I think it's fabulous. Um, it's a beautiful tribute to books, to sisters, to love. It's a really, it's a good little romance story and I think thoroughly enjoy it. Then I read I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet by Shauna Nequist and I read it at the same time that I was reading Book Lovers. It is also a reread and it's also I think the third time that I have read that book this summer. Shauna Nequist is a longtime favorite for me. This her books always just seem to hit me exactly where I am and because I have read this one like three times in a row so quickly I'm thinking about going back and just starting with Cold Tangerines and going through all of her books again. They're really short essays. They're always very meaningful and they make me think about my life differently. So she's amazing. Then I read Hummingbird by Natalie Lloyd. She also is a longtime favorite. Um, for us, did Natalie, like our daughter Natalie, come on here and talk about a Natalie Lloyd book at one point? I know we've talked about it. I don't know if she did or not. Maybe so. I think surely she must have joined us with it if she did. Our daughter Natalie is the one who got us started with Natalie Lloyd books because The Key to Extraordinary is the first book that I ever remember her saying was her favorite book, like that she chose herself, that wasn't one that you and I bought for her. Um, And Natalie Lloyd is absolutely a gorgeous writer. Hummingbird is the story of a main character who has a bone disorder, which Natalie Lloyd also has. So it's a very personal book and very beautiful. And we're going to talk about it more later. Yeah, we will. I will add that she is just a genuinely sweet, kind human being. We've uh, met her twice. Gone to a couple of her book events and uh, I've listened to two of her books and enjoyed them and Might be adding to that in the next two weeks, spoiler alert, but we'll circle back on that. So the last book that I read, except for our shared read, is called Extra Helping by Janet Reich Elsback. This was a book that Shauna Nequist was recommending to people. It is a book that is largely of recipes that are connected by some short essays, and it's all about all the recipes and the essays are organized around topics for how to bring food to help people in various times of life. So there are suggestions for and recipes for helping people in a time of grieving, um, in a time of celebration, to feed a big crowd. There are all kinds of things. The essays were really my favorite part, um, but the food sounded really good too. And I just thought it was a unique take on the food book to look at food as a way of helping, as a way of comforting people. Always want to bring food. Um, whenever we get together. And so I just, I really liked the idea behind it. Even if most of the recipes use a lot of ingredients that I don't use, and maybe I should start trying to use some of them. 
I'm, I'm all about like a two ingredient, you know, take this and join it with that and eat it and it's good, but yeah. Yeah, almost nothing I make is like that. <laughs> almost nothing in the world <laughs> is like that. I mean, peanut butter and jelly, yeah, <laughs> maybe. All right, you're up. Okay, uh, that's an unbelievably short list from you. and I School has started. Still had a shorter list, but... Uh, <laughs> With the good help of archive.org, I reread a book that I had read decades ago called Get Back, the Unauthorized Chronicle of the Beatles' Let It Be Disaster by a guy named Doug Sulpy, S-U-L-P-Y. Um, as you can tell, Doug didn't mince any words throwing it out there in the title. Uh, he thinks the Let It Be sessions were terrible and a disaster. What was fun this time is as I read it, I kind of went along with it with the Disney Plus series, which is now out on DVD and Blu-ray. And it was funny how much the new Get Back stuff um, takes his research and kind of goes, no, actually, it wasn't this. It really was some of that. And this was kind of sad, but this was really awesome that happened an hour later. But, you know, Doug couldn't see that. So I understand uh, but it was a good excuse to watch that Disney series again, which was pretty amazing. Thank many, you, Peter Jackson. How many times have you watched it? I think this is three. Okay. Because I know, like, I didn't really want to watch it. I just wanted to do something with you, and you wanted to watch it. But I really loved it. It was amazing. It is. It's like eight hours long. So, yeah, I haven't watched it 27 it times. It a long time. Yeah, it, it does take a long time. I'm still in part two rewatching it, and I finished the book, so... Anyway, anyway, um, my other two that I finished up, one was a book I literally stumbled on in the library called Spying on the South, An Odyssey Across the American Divide by Tony Horwitz. Horwitz was the man who wrote a book called Confederates in the Attic, which was a fascinating and uh, kind of prophetic look at this disgruntled, the South shall rise again, uh, American underbelly. Uh, that has, if anything, picked up speed since he wrote about it. Um, I read that one a couple decades ago. But Spying on the South is written in 2016, and Horwitz was inspired by a writer named Frederick Olmsted, who went from the north all the way across the south in the 1850s. And he did it twice and was kind of an early travel writer, and he kind of retakes that journey and chronicles the divided America that he finds in 2016 and thinks about the divided America that Olmsted found in 1850. Um, so interesting parallelism there. And meanwhile, Olmsted basically comes back from his trips and says, forget politics, forget writing. And he designs parks, Central Park in New York and several of the parks in Louisville uh, among them, which does get a mention. But uh, Just pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it, it was kind of a wide net that he cast here, but I love Tony Horwitz as a writer. If you like that kind of semi-investigative, semi-participatory journalism, you might enjoy him. He spent some time in Kentucky. Uh, not that everything he found there thrilled him, but uh, it was an interesting book and one I was glad I stumbled on, Spying on the South. It was the Kentucky chapter you had me read, right? Yeah, I, I was submitting this for possible consideration for mutual reading, but some people don't like Tony Horowitz's style as much as I do. I liked it fine. I thought that one chapter was very good. I just didn't really want to read the whole thing. It's a very long book. It wasn't that long. 
<laughs> and if you thought that long. was long, then try Grant by Ron Chernow, which I have been <laughs> listening to for literally 500 years because the audio version is 48 hours long. Why, why, why would you do this? <laughs> because Ron Chernow is a masterful biographer, perhaps the best going. Uh, Chernow is better known for his Hamilton book, which brought about a certain Broadway musical. West Side Story. No, I'm kidding. Of course, the musical is <laughs> Hamilton. Uh, don't look for a Grant musical anytime soon, which would actually be no. very ironic because Grant, literally, he's the guy who said that he knew two tunes. One was uh, like one was the Star Spangled Banner and the other one wasn't. Maybe I've got the song wrong. Have you wrong, been making but... our kids listen to this book? No. Why have they been talking about Grant all the time? I don't know because he's <laughs> omnipresent. So I will say I, I thought the Hamilton book moved better than Grant. The first half of Grant, I thought, was comparable to Hamilton. The problem is that Grant's presidency is pretty dull. The story of Grant's presidency, in a nutshell, is that Grant trusted people who were stupid, corrupt, or stupid and corrupt, and was very slow to turn away from them. And that continued both before and after his presidency. Grant is one of those rare presidents who pretty much everything he touched failed until he got in the military and the Civil War broke out and he had success and he parlayed it into the White House. And then he goes broke again. But Grant's last chapter is one of the great last chapters in American history. Broke, dying of throat cancer. He settles down and does what people have been telling him to do for decades, including his good friend Mark Twain. He writes his story. He writes his autobiography. And it's phenomenal. It sells more copies than any book but the Bible. I mean, this thing was massive. And he leaves his wife with half a million dollars because he dies a week after he finishes writing it. He literally races the Grim Reaper and gets this massive two-volume book finished and then dies. But perhaps the greatest literary achievement by any president from an unlikely source Grant is such a, a like non-pretentious, meat-and-potatoes guy, but he has this remarkable life that he caps in bizarre but fascinating fashion. Uh, again, if you're looking for one journal book, Hamilton. But Grant was interesting. It was worth the time, which is saying something because it was plenty of time. <laughs> on to Rutherford Hayes. On the week that I had to throw away my Rutherford Hayes T-shirt, yes, you heard that right. <laughs> you Okay. I'm laughing at you, but I mean, it was it was this T-shirt that was green, and in red it had a silhouette. Yes. Not even really a silhouette, just like facial features. It was the outline of a silhouette, of, right. really, yeah. And I had the Flannery O'Connor one, so I can't laugh at you. But the best one, <laughs> the best one was Yule Brenner, because the Yule Brenner one literally was two eyebrows. That was the whole, it, it was two eyebrows, and it said Yule, and that was the T-shirt. How did I not buy that? I'm so angry. You've regretted it ever I since. I have. I have. As a guy who's going that way himself, <laughs> if I shave, that's me. So anyway, anyway, all that aside, uh, we read a book this week that was a bit of a style departure, which uh, was fun. For me, not for you, because this is one of your all-time favorites. Yeah, but it's still a style departure. I don't read a ton of these kind of books. You used to. I really have never read a ton of these kind of books. I've read a few of these kind Why of books. Do we have so many in this genre? Well, go find them in there, and I will tell you that they are not. I mean, you've read a lot of these. The one we read this time, <laughs> the one we read this time was called "The Big Sleep." 
by Raymond Chandler. And despite how I can't stop laughing, it is not a funny book. No, it's not at all funny. It's very noir. Uh, the Big Sleep was made into a movie with Bogart as Detective Philip Marlowe. It's he was her, perfect. Yeah, it's the role that, that Bogart was born to play. I haven't even seen the movie, and I know he was perfect. Yeah, I mean, you can look at him for 30 seconds and be like, of course, that's him. <laughs> uh, you know, it's this dark and difficult cityscape of thugs and goons and loose women uh and marlowe is in the middle of it one detective who holds his integrity up in front of him as a shield it was a really fun book to read it really was um it's not my kind of genre at all but i really really liked marlowe and just this integrity that his moral code which may not really be very moral but he has very strict lines by which he lives his life and he does not deviate and you cannot help but admire him. Yeah, and everybody else in this whole thing is is kind of like the ultimate group of free agents. I mean, nobody thinks of anybody else. Nobody thinks of, of tomorrow or what if, you know, and Marlowe is the exception. I guess the one big beef I had with the story was there were no virtuous women. There were no women with any redeeming qualities. No. Some of the other men in the stories also had their own codes by which they lived. They were not good codes. They did not <laughs> lead to anything that was virtuous either. But, like, you could see that they lived by something, whereas all these women lived for what they could get. It does not seem like Raymond Chandler liked women. They needed a Maud Lebowski, perhaps. Oop, did I let the cat out of the bag? Yes, The Big Sleep, particularly the movie, uh, is an obvious inspiration for The Big Lebowski, um, which is one of my favorites. It's incredibly profane and ludicrous and brilliant. And But Maud Lebowski is not even an admirable woman. I would disagree with that. Maud Lebowski <laughs> has her code. And she doesn't depart from She that. is also out for what she can get. No. <laughs> we, we, we differ greatly. We need to watch The Big Lebowski again. Now. I was just thinking the same thing. Because you have definitely watched it many more times than I have. Although I have watched it many more times than I want to admit. <laughs> it is brilliant. Um, but I re- that was maybe one of my favorite things about reading this book. Um, is like putting all those pieces together and looking how, at how this book stood against that movie obviously it's not a perfect you know comparison but you can totally see the way that the writers of the big Lebowski built it off of the big sleep and it just kind of made you read the book with a like look at the book in a different light Mm -hmm. and the characters in a different light it's fun um the Maltese Falcon might be superior but uh, the Big Sleep was, again, a total style departure and our weekly battle of like, hey, read this. No, you read that. <laughs> it's like, what about that? And you're like, okay, fine, I'll read it. Yeah, yeah, and I did enjoy it. The thing that I liked, really, really liked about it style-wise was he has he's a really gifted craftsman. Like his descriptions of everything, the way he creates a world, it's brilliant. He's got gorgeous descriptions. He is a real wordsmith, which you wouldn't expect out of somebody writing in this hard-boiled detective genre. Oh, yeah. But he's totally a wordsmith. And if you're paying attention, there's all this humor underneath it. Because, you know, like a lot of the stuff that I liked, the descriptions are the things that people want to cut out. But they're very necessary. And then he hides a lot of that humor in them. Same with dialogue. He's a master of dialogue. 
And it's just a lot of quietly, slyly funny and sarcastic things that come through in that. Um, you and I talked about it and said it's like he, he wants to be Hemingway and he does it with his dialogue. But then he also slides in toward Faulkner as he talks about the setting. It's yeah, like he, he can't can get totally, grandiose. He yeah. can't totally make up his mind. Which is understandable. I couldn't either. But uh, yeah. but it's wonderful. Like the way he writes is just a, a truly wonderful thing. Uh, so it's a fun one. It, it's not anything to take lightly. But if like us, uh, you wanted something a little out of the box, Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep, not a bad choice at all. Especially as you're moving on into fall. Mm-hmm. Looking at a darker season, it's a good time <laughs> to read a darker novel. Hopefully, not going to have people like sticking guns in my ribs and you know <laughs> smoking constantly. Yeah. By the way, if 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 uh, if there was a dollar for every time that, particularly Philip Marlowe drank a <laughs> cup of coffee, drank a, an alcoholic beverage, or smoked, you could just retire instead of it's finish the book. More times than there are pages in the book. <laughs> I think everything he does in the book, he manages to do while smoking, having a drink, and drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah, anyway, that's what you have a trench coat for. That's right. I'll have to hold all of that, sure. So next time around, we're again going in a bit of a different direction. We alluded to it earlier. We are going to read Natalie Lloyd's novel, Hummingbird. I already read it. You have started it. Uh-huh. Um, it's beautiful. Can't wait to tell you all all about it. This is a middle grades novel. And um, we've loved everything she's ever written. I thought this book was brilliant. I can't wait to see what you think of it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. And I will clarify, I'm listening to it because she read it. She uh, had not read her previous books. She's had some very good readers. Again, I've listened to at least two of her books. But uh, this last time we heard her speak, she she was a, a little bit, uh, you know, she's with my accent, I don't know why they want me to do it. She does a great job. I'm not that far in, but uh, she carries it off well. I'm enjoying it and uh, just looking forward to finishing it and sharing what we think of Hummingbird. You actually picked this one, said that you wanted to read it too, and so we should talk about it on the podcast. But we're still trying to think of um, books that we want to read for upcoming shows, maybe books that neither of us have read yet, so we can kind of experience those together. So if you have read any of the books we've talked about today or you have any suggestions for things that you think we might enjoy reading jointly in the future, please let us know. You can find us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. And also a shout out that I would be remiss to not give uh, one of our favorites, the great Frederick Buechner, uh, passed away today at 96, a true master of words a true master of wisdom and of theology and of light and hope um i would say my life is better for having read his books and he's wonderful feel free to pick one up and if not that whatever else you're doing for goodness sakes keep reading 